Hey, what's going on everybody? It's Alan, one of your pastors here at Whitewater, and today we're starting a new teaching series called Be Real. Ooh, see, it's tricky because it's two words, but actually they are one. Uh, one word titles are pretty epic, right? Like Madonna, Rihanna, Prince, Be Real. Yo, here's the thing, I don't think we'll properly get the context if we don't explain it. So, um, if you don't know, there's a new social media app with the same title, Be Real. Uh, we can get it right there on our phones, and it's, it's not like those other photo sharing apps like Instagram or Facebook, where you could just post a picture that's taken by a professional or a photo that you edited with Photoshop. Uh, the beauty of this photo sharing app is that there are literally no filters. Talk about being real. In fact, they want so badly for you to be real that your phone buzzes in the middle of the day, meaning, ah, it's time to be real, and you have two minutes to take that photo. So, pose all you like, but at some point, you're just stuck with the picture that you've got. In fact, I've got an example for you. Uh, check out this Be Real. My wife had to take it like 7 in the morning on a day off after a 16-hour workday. Guys, it don't get more real than that. So, why did we name our teaching series after a social media app? Are we trying to uh, no cap, uh, try ca trying to catch the Gen Z vibes? No, my, my birth year says I'm way past that. But it's because of 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Remember that word veil. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So, we may not have veils on all the time, but we've got a lot of filters. Not just on our phones, on social media, but we filter our personalities, we filter our own emotions, and sometimes we even filter our worship to God. Now, I'm not here to change the words in the Bible or be a heretic, but let's read that scripture again with that in mind, okay? But when, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the filter is taken away. So, in the next four weeks, we're going to be um, inviting you to be real with us because that's what Jesus did. He meets people right where they are, just as they are, and invites us to quit settling for thin, breakable, arm's-length, half-known relationships. So, we're going to talk about some of the filters that most church bodies don't talk about. The filter of connection, but really I'm lonely. The filter of control, but really I'm anxious. The filter of being satisfied, but really I'm disappointed. The filter of happiness, but really I'm, I'm depressed. So um, I saw my therapist two weeks ago, and for the sake of this story, I'm going to call him Bob. Uh, Bob and I have a relaxed system of conversation where I sit down and he asks me, how you doing? This time, I said some things like, Man, Bob, I feel blessed. God has elevated me in certain areas of my life. I've taken a few things off my plate so I can, you know, spend more time at home. I got a fresh fade. I think I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah, good. Yo, he leans into his chair, looks me straight in the eyes and says, Is this the lowest you've been in in a while? Because you see, after almost six months of bi-weekly sessions, Bob knows me by now. And he knows I was trying to hide the truth that I had sunk into so much darkness that I became weary. And when I become weary, I, I over-smile, I make more jokes, and become distant with those I trust. And I know some of y'all are wondering, oh my gosh, uh, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. 
we're working it out and, and I'm not here to try to get pity. I'm just telling you this because I know I'm not the only one who struggles with some form of depression because there's lots. In fact, I bet some of y'all, um, you know, are walking around greeting other people saying, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Bless, bless, blessed. But on the inside, you're in a pit of despair. Feelings of depression are real. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, since 2020, an estimated 2.1 million adults in the U.S. had at least one major depressive episode, and an estimated 4.1 million adolescents aged 12 to 17 in the U.S. had at least one major depressive episode. And if that's you, I just want to let you know you can drop the luggage. You're free to let go of the heaviness even for just the next 20 minutes. You're not alone in this. We are not alone in this. In fact, even God wants us to know that we're not alone in these feelings. Now, I'm not an expert and I don't claim to know any of the science and research about depression because it is so complex and it can be caused by all sorts of things. Chemical imbalance, lack of sleep, postpartum, a terrible home life, past trauma, etc., etc. The list goes on. But I can speak on depression from a spiritual and personal point of view. And as someone who struggles with depression every now and then, personally, I find reassurance that God loves and understands us so much that he shares how important it is for us to, to pay attention to depression in scripture. One of Jesus' ancestors, uh, singer-songwriter King David, wrote many raw and unfiltered poems about his depression. Psalm 6, 6-7 says, I'm worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenched it with my tears, my vision is blurred with grief, my eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. Yo, that's just one out of 42 psalms that openly describe deep darkness, something we call a psalm of lament. Lament means an expression of grief or sorrow. Uh, there's a book in the Bible literally called Lamentations. There are many leaders in the Bible who suffered from feelings of depression. You got King David, the prophet Elijah, Job, Jeremiah, Hannah, the apostle Paul, and even Jesus himself hit a low point. I'd argue he hit the lowest point anyone could ever get. So trust me when I say if you've ever had a depressive moment, if you've ever had really dark thoughts, or if you cried every single night this week, you're not alone. But I also want you to know that your feelings don't have control over you. There is a great balance of accepting your feelings as they are, but not allowing them to be your Lord. Scripture says that we can't serve two masters. And if we allow our depression to be our master, then we allow it to decide our destiny. And our destiny is supposed to be good. 1 Timothy 4.4 says, For everything God created is good. And you... You were created by God, stitched by his own hands. You are good. But depression isn't. Depression is a way to keep us locked up in chains. It's meant to keep us from experiencing God's goodness. What I'm saying is that depression is not a part of your identity. It's something you experience as being a part of this world. It's a cause, not a conclusion. Proverbs 12.25 from the New King James Version says this, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression but a good word makes it glad. Okay, so where does our good word come from? The good word is that Jesus paid for us to be free from depression. 
Now, that doesn't mean becoming a Christian is the magic pill to not having depression. I'm just letting you know that having a relationship with Jesus gives you a firm foundation when depression tries to shake you down. So, I'm not saying to ignore your sadness. I'm saying you have permission to ugly cry with Jesus. I'm not saying ignore these dark thoughts. I'm just saying allow the word of God to fill it with something brighter. I'm not saying ignore your loneliness. I'm saying be real with the only one who could take the fullness of what your soul is going through. God wants you to know that you, what's, wants you to know what's really going on in your soul. He wants you to be real. But do we try to hide the real us from God, even though he already knows the real us? Do we hide it from other people? Um, someone in the office made a genie from Aladdin reference recently, and it reminded me of Robin Williams. Look, no disrespect to Will Smith for his genie in the recent remake of the movie, but, but Robin Williams is the OG, the original genie. As an actor and a Hollywood personality, Robin Williams brought so much joy to people. He was hilarious. He was quirky, and every actor who worked with him always said the most amazing things about him. He was a good dude, but he suffered from severe depression and ended up taking his life. So how do you cope with the constant darkness in your heart? Do you overwork so you can ignore your anxiety? Do you constantly joke and say funny things to hide your trauma? Do you constantly say yes to helping others because you don't know how to help yourself? Look, I, I get it. I've hidden behind jokes and charm my whole life where it seems like, like, you know, I'm light and airy on the outside but heavy and broken on the inside. But in Jeremiah uh, 23, 24, God says, Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all heavens and earth? No matter how hard we try, we can't hide our real self from God. He already knows how we feel. But that doesn't mean we can't share it with him anyway. That's what being in a loving relationship means. You can share things with each other, right? So, um, think about the most loving relationships you have, whether it be uh, with your parents, friends, uh, spouses, mentors. Like, like, what's one thing you love about that person? I bet you anything, one thing you can say, it's that that person is able to be real with you and you could be real with them. It's the same thing for our Heavenly Father. He's the kind of dad that just wants to know what's going on with his kid, even though he already knows. To all my students out there, just so you know, your parents know more than you think. So, I'm gonna tell you, I'll tell you how real I get with God. You ready? This sucks, God. Did you know that you can talk to him this way? that you can pray this way to him? You don't have to have eloquent words or a British accent to pray. It's not about being irreverent with God. It's about telling him how we're really doing. We just got to talk to him. It's like any other personal conversations. Uh, sometimes we think that prayer is all about poetry when really it's all about position. And I'm not talking about a physical position. I'm talking about the position of your heart. Psalms 145, 18 and 19 says, the Lord is close to those who call on him, yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. If you're feeling low, if you've got anxiety bubbling up inside of you, trust me, I get it, it's a miserable feeling, but I want you to know it's an opportunity to get close to someone who can give you rest. We can't call on God with a smile when he already knows our sorrows. He wants us to call on him in truth. And truth is, God, life is bogus right now. God, why did my brother have to suffer? God, why did I have a miscarriage? 
God, why did that person have to leave me? God, why? Call on him. He wants it. You need it. How can we be real with anyone else if we're not even being real with God, who can see right through our filters anyway? Now, if we get real with God about our depression and, and the position of our heart is low and humble, two things can happen. One, uh, he can change the desire of our hearts. Jesus himself, in his anguish over the fact that he has to be beaten and hung on a cross to die a slow death for us, cried out to God and said, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And if we look at verse 44, it says, He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. If Jesus obeyed his feelings instead of his father and decided not to go through with his sacrifice, all of us would have not have a hope for today and all of eternity. But because he was real with our father, he was able to gain perspective. So when we give God our real and raw feelings, then our depression can turn into dedication. Your prayer changes. You can still say stuff like, this sucks, God. Why are you allowing me to go through this pain? But please use it somehow. Our prayer changes from what we want to what he wants. Number two, second thing that can happen, uh, God can comfort you in unexpected ways. There's this awesome uh, prophet of God um, in the Old Testament named Elijah. He did a number of incredible, miraculous things. But, but one day, after this great victory of defeating the, uh, this army of false prophets and evil people, he just told God, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. Yeah, that's right. God wants that real. He wants what's really going on in your heart. He wants to know if you're having suicidal thoughts. He wants to know if you feel like ending your life because he created it. A little later in this story, guess what happens? God has Elijah lay down under a tree, sleep for a few hours, has an angel door dash him some bread and water. Let it be known that one of God's remedies for depression is a nap and a snack. But for real though, that's the kind of comforting God we have. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, I don't know about you, but I need someone to comfort me when I'm hurting. Lucky for us, God is the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Now, fam, I want us to notice that uh, both Jesus and Elijah were both alone with God. Yet, yeah, can I tell you something? Not everybody has the privilege of your real. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Make sure the people you trust with your darkness are capable of sitting in it with you. That means the rooms where you could be real and reserved are reserved for those who, who have earned it. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Alan, I thought you just told me to be, to be real and remove all the filters. Yes, but not everyone can handle it. God absolutely can. But with that, He's placed certain people in our lives who can love, guide, mentor, challenge, and help us through the darkness. But there are some people who just can't, and that's okay. Even Jesus out of his 12 only had three apostles he chose to reveal his real self with, Peter, James, and John. Let me ask you, who are those people for you? Who is your safe space? Now. Um, if they're sitting next to you, um, just make sure you make eye contact and say that you trust them with your life, okay? Make it real awkward. 
But look, this is the other challenge. How do we allow others to be real with us? How can we be a safe space for other people? Do we actually know how to sit with people in the dark? For example, parents, have you ever noticed your kid not eating, sleeping, or talking? And then we just chalk it up to, uh, they're just going through a phase. You ever tell a, a trusted coworker how you're actually doing, but their face is just showing how annoyed they are? All my dudes out there, have you ever tried to open yourself up to a friend and show vulnerability only to be seen as weak? My fellow Christian, have you ever been afraid to tell someone your deep sorrow from fear of being called ungrateful? Yo, where is our God-given compassion and empathy? Fam, there are literally nine stories in the Word of God where Jesus, our King, showed, felt, and tried to convey his deep compassion for people. When someone puts their heart in your hands for even just an hour, how are you stewarding your relationship with them in that moment? Your body language matters. The way you look at them matters. What comes out of your mouth next matters. Are we treating the person in front of us with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Scripture calls those the fruits of the Spirit because when it comes to loving someone in their depression, we can't do it without the Holy Spirit's help. I acknowledge that loving people who are pouring their heart out to you is a delicate balance. Author and disciple maker Alice Matagora says this in her book, um, when someone risks being vulnerable in this way, fear or defensiveness can easily drive them back into hiding. We must approach these sacred spaces with gentleness and the truth and grace of Christ, or we may miss an opportunity for Jesus to heal and transform what has already been broken. Yo, I don't know about you, but I don't ever wanna be a barrier for someone to experience Jesus, amen? It's not about pushing our wisdom onto people. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to breathe in those moments. Whatever advice we gift that person with will come from our experience, with, with our own stories of depression, with what we've learned from others. And if someone's ready to hear it, from the Word of God. Um, look, I, uh, I don't ever want to push scripture on someone who doesn't even have a relationship with Jesus. Um, it won't help them in that moment. But... Just in my experience, I can't tell you how many times I've been crying on the floor of my kitchen, I open up God's word, and I'm given a nugget of love that gets me up to finish the day. Right now, uh, I just want to be a brother to you. I want to share with you some of what God has taught me on how to partner with Jesus in my own depression. And I hope these help. Uh, if not, feel free to email our lead pastor. Uh, he will gladly take it. All right, number one, gratitude reminds me of breath. We know how to thank God for the great awesome miracles like the big house, the baby being born, and, the, and the, the Bengals winning sports. But do we thank him for our breath? My mom was in a really bad car accident when I was 18 uh, where her lungs collapsed and they had to put a, a tube down her trachea. So now when I wake up in the morning, I thank God for my breath. Genesis 2-7 says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life in the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Yo, just being alive is a blessing. When my depression hits me at my lowest, I have to look at the, the little things around me and remind myself that everything I have, I've been provided for. I'm eating ramen right now, but I give gratitude for just having food to sustain me. I don't have a fancy car, but I give gratitude for my 2003 Honda Civic to get me places. I may not be the coolest dude ever, but I give gratitude for my wife who decided to love a weirdo like me. 
James 1.17 says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. Gratitude for the good, no matter how small, can give us even a little bit of light. Number two, praise reminds me of his power. First off, praise and worship aren't just styles of music. It's a style of life. Second, have you ever lifted your hands in the air and praised God for how good he is while snot and tears are coming out of your face? It's embarrassing and refreshing all at the same time. Worshiping God through my pain and sadness has allowed me to reframe my mind. In psychology, there's a term called cognitive reframing, which is a technique which consists of identifying and then changing how the situations, experiences, events, ideas, and or emotions are viewed. Praising God for just being a great dad has allowed me to change where my mind goes. For example, when my mind uh, wants me to go down a rabbit hole of feeling inadequate to be a pastor or anything like that, I have to praise God that he's the one who's called me to where I am, which means he's the one who equips me and all I got to do is obey. Psalms 34, 2 and 3 says, I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Like, come on, like, let us all tell the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I can't boast about me, but I can totally boast about God. Psalms 34, 2 and 3 says, I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I can't boast about me, but I can totally boast about God because his power is bigger than our loneliness, it's bigger than our anxiety, and it's bigger than our depression. Number three, submit so you can be weak. I know submission is a really weird word in our culture. Sometimes we can think of submitting as being a doormat for people to walk over or, or it shows signs of weakness. But that's the whole point. No offense, but we are weak. Without God, our human flesh and mind will succumb to the darkness. We can't fight depression on our own. 2 Corinthians 12, 19, uh, 12, 9 says, Jesus says, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. You know why your heart feels so heavy when you're in a season of depression? It's because we're not made to carry it on our own. Talking to God and being real with him allows him to list, lift us up out of the pit. And, and I know our pride won't allow us to ask for help, but his help is the only thing that'll get us out of bed, to pull us up out from the water and get us away from the ledge. I'm okay with being weak because in him, I have strength. And number four, last one, don't throw away therapy. I've been pretty open um, this whole time about my, my time in therapy and with Bob. And I want to encourage anyone who's in the depths of depression or, or even if your life is just hard right now, which I think is everyone, to seek counsel. The American Christian culture has been weird in the past about seeking tangible help from mental health professionals. And yo, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I've heard one or two times to me, well, you just need to trust God. I mean, I am, because God has created people who have knowledge and insight about our emotions and minds, and if we don't tap into that, we're ignoring a resource that God gave, specifically to deal with feelings of depression. And look, um, if you're here at Whitewater, I want you to know that our Life Center here um, have partnered with Lifeway Counseling Centers, who's a client-centered Christian community of counselors who can help you find hope. So for more information, just check out our website. Okay, fam, um, ultimately, the only way we can get through seasons of depression is by knowing we have hope. 
It's not about hustling through it. It's not about uh, pretending it's not there. It's by knowing that Jesus already won the battle against depression for us by dying on the cross. That's why we can be real with God. That's why we can have freedom when we experience it. So thank you guys for watching. I hope you have a great day and um, God bless.